Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show for free, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to Sheer Clarity. This is a podcast designed to make you a better leader, a leader by attraction. And one of the great leaders by attraction is my producer, Matthew Passy. Welcome to 2020, my friend. Oh, my God. I cannot believe you just said that. I mean, I know it's it's here, but still, 2020. I mean... 2000 was a big deal, 2010, but 2020 just feels so futuristic. You know, I'm just thinking we started the podcast. I think we uh, dropped the first episode on June the 12th. So this is six months Wow, into this, like in two weeks, like six months we've been banging away. I don't, I've lost track of the episode count. We're in the t- high 20s, maybe 28, 9 or so. I think this episode, this New Year's Eve episode or New Year's Day episode is, Actually, number 30, to be precise. and Big number. We have some more great episodes on tap for the new year, and we're even going to start to throw in some interviews coming up in 2020. So We are. I have a great one for our inaugural interview. I will leave the suspense, but the guy is an amazing guy. People will recognize him because he actually is a, a contributing guest on Fox Business News. So he might be a name people recognize. He's a true blue to the bone entrepreneurial guy working on some great stuff about the future and the way in which we're going to consume news in a global way. Oh, I'm I'm excited to hear this one. It's going to be wild. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking off and on through the I've known him for a long time. He's kind of a wizard, smartest guy in the room kind of guy. He likes that term. We'll, we'll probably talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> now we have two smartest guys in the in the room. In the room, that should be fun. No matter how it goes down, it's going to be lively and crazy. So, I'll just tease it like that for now. And I don't know when we'll we'll cut this out. Probably sometime. What do you think? I'm thinking early January. I'd like to, you know, start to really hit the ground running in the new year with some interviews and we'll be able to share that. And and of course we as we've talked about in the past, we would love to get your feedback. If you know, after we drop the interview, if you enjoy it and you want to hear more, one, let us know specifically you want to hear more interviews. Two, let us know if you think you have great guests in mind who could help you, help the audience, help others become the consummate leader by attraction and attain sheer clarity. And speaking of attaining sheer clarity, like you said, we've been doing this for six months at a hell of a run here in 2019. And so we did our our gift bag last week for the Christmas episode and hope you had a great celebration with all the, the family and the extended family. And we thought for New Year's, you're going to be getting a lot of countdowns and top tens and so we thought let's join the party so we are doing yeah convention let's follow convention that's right we are going to follow the conventional wisdom and give you a top five what we are calling the top five themes of sheer clarity in 2019 We've gone through and picked out what have been the most popular episodes and in some cases it's been the popular themes for example 
Number five, not to give away too much, but number five is all about appropriate vulnerability. And that was a three-part series. So we've lumped all together episodes seven, eight, and nine of appropriate vulnerability as number five, one of the top themes. And just to sort of give you guys a little bit of a preview or summarize what it's all about, we've pulled a clip from one of the episodes. So this is from part three, episode nine, appropriate vulnerability, encouraging it in others. The moment a boss begins to share appropriate vulnerabilities, it automatically sends a signal to everyone else, wow, this is different, this is better, this is okay, I love this guy, he actually appears human. I don't mean guy, it could be man or woman. It all is the same human dynamic. People want to feel connected with their direct supervisor. And one of the finest, most powerful ways to do that is to demonstrate some degree of vulnerability, which is appropriate in a workplace setting. We're live again, by the way. Did we say that? That was awesome stuff. As I say, if you didn't recognize the voice, that was our own J. Kevin McHugh. <laughs> yes, it was. It's a great timing because, you know, by the time people will be hearing this, it will be a month or so since a gig. But the gig that I was just on, a management team, high-tech company, entrepreneurial in nature, two brothers rocking the house, crazy culture. And they put together a team because this thing now is ready to scale and entrepreneurs always run into this. There's a, a book, EOS is an operating system for entrepreneurs and uh, the book's called Traction by Gino Wickman. And they reference a phrase called hitting the ceiling. And it's sort of that spot that an entrepreneurial company gets to your you're over the 100 million mark. You've got a couple hundred employees. And now they put together a management team. And when we were together, one of the great signature moments was one of the owners just in our vulnerability session, point blank, came out and made an amazing apology to one of the new leaders. They'd had a moment weeks earlier where he was kind of lost uh, his cool. He was frustrated by a number of things. And when he had just one more, it tipped it over, and so he kind of unloaded, and there he was, and without any prompting, without anything, I knew it existed because I had feedback, I had done some interviews, so I knew this was out there, and without any prompting, just being in this storytelling mode, he started his comment with, before I say anything, I got to make an apology, and he made a beautiful, heartfelt apology, and so I thought the lesson that I'd share right now when you say you're sorry, if you really want to punctuate it, at the end of saying sorry, be bold enough to ask a question. Will you forgive me? Wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it's one thing to apologize. It's another thing to confirm or to solicit feedback to see whether or not that apology was accepted and taken and, and as you said, ultimately forgiven. Yes, yes, yes. And there's one other rule of thumb that I am reminded of in my own, my own household. Sometimes the emotions are really high, and we actually are so emotionally filled, we can't, we can't get through this. We might use issues clearing. We might use some of the techniques that we get. But sometimes one technique is to say, 
I care about you. I care about our connection. I want it to be back in integrity, but I need 24 hours. If I talk about it now, I'm not ready. And so one way to handle tension in the moment and you can't get through it, one of the things that you could try is the 24-hour rule. Say, hey, look, I'm not in a great spot to talk about this. I got to calm down, but I promise you, I will come back to you in 24 hours and set up a time to talk about this. We'll clear our pipes, but I need a little distance from it. But 24 hours is my commitment to you. We will not let this linger. We will not let it disappear. So in the vulnerability category, you know, we've got two things, right? If you do screw up and you mess it up and you own your part, you can ask for an apology punctuated by uh, say, hey, am I forgiven? And then after that, if you do have trouble and you can't do it right now, put the 24-hour rule on. I'll talk to you. I'll call you tomorrow and we'll set a time to talk. And I think that 24-hour rule is a great rule for a lot of different things. I mean, that's why there are things like cooling off periods and there's recessing courtrooms and things like that. I mean, even myself, I could tell you, I remember, I think we even talked about it on the show once before, but I remember waking up and seeing this email that I got from someone and I'm going through the email. I'm thinking, who in the hell does this person think they are? And I was about to wake up and fire off a nasty response. And instead I waited. It didn't warrant a response immediately. It wasn't that important. And I waited and I waited and I thought about it. And I realized when I went back to respond to him about a day later, I had a much better response and probably saved an unnecessary fight and, and bad tension. Hey, I got another idea in this category. If you do kind of call the 24-hour rule and you know, you're kind of calming down, Somewhere, you know, before you make the call to talk about making a time to talk, don't hesitate to take out a, uh, your laptop or your device and hit a notes uh, app or a Word document and, and actually type and just let all your stuff go out on paper and it's out and then let it sit and you read it again, you read it again and it just sort of gets all your stuff out and it's in a private space. And then as you read it, and you can hear your own voice, and you can hear your anger, hear your disappointment, hear your stuff. It sort of calms you down. So the, the main points of what you want to say about why we're disconnected, the part you played in it, how you feel about it, and what you ended up thinking, you get much more clarity around, okay, here's what happened. Here's how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. And you know what? I got a part in this. And so now I know what I want. And most of the time, it's as simple as saying, I want to put this behind us. I want to be back in connection because we work together. We trust each other. It'd be a lot easier to just forgive and forget. And honestly, that, that idea of typing it out, that's great in general. I mean, it's sometimes it's so satisfying to write out that angry email response and then just hit delete. You got it off your chest and, you know, at the end of the day, sending it, it's probably not going to do it, you, the other person, anybody any good. So it's, I love that idea to just write it out. Yeah, and make sure you hit delete, not send. Delete, and don't also save it in your drafts, because I think there was a story recently about you know everybody's drafts getting cleared out. It's like, whoa, no! <laughs> so, oh, jeez, my brilliance was now disappeared. <laughs> All right, so that was number five on the top sheer clarity themes of 2019. Moving on, again, episode 789, Appropriate Vulnerability. Moving on to number four, episodes four, five, and six, this was all about honesty. The fundamental question I have for everyone I coach is, are you honest with yourself? Period. That implies 
that you know fairly well about yourself. I don't know how you can be honest with yourself if you don't have some understanding of yourself. And how do you get that? Well, in the case of self-honesty, you have to get it by being in connection with yourself and everything that's happening inside your head. This, I, I think when we talked about those episodes, we, uh, we commented on the fact that the problem is people do not have enough quiet time. Have you ever heard that phrase, I can't hear myself think, right? So you're actually, self-reflection is hearing the thinking or the thoughts that are in your head. And in this case, the target is about me. What is happening to me? Why am I feeling this way? What happened? What went down? And then the, the real self-reflective question is, where does this come from? You know, where am I getting this? And I can tell you, you don't have to be on a psychologist's couch to actually just say, I got to look back at my childhood. You know, there's patterns, there's imprinting, there's all that great stuff. And I know there's a part of the brain it's escaping me right now. I, I want to say the amygdala or something like that. But they call it the prehistoric brain, and all humans have this part. And it's where the, uh, the fight and flight impulse is burned into us as creatures. You know, back from the prehistoric days, you uh, were going to either get eaten by a dinosaur, you're going to fight it, or you're going to run away from it, right? And that whole thing gets triggered. But now it's triggered by just emotional conflict. So if you want to untangle that stuff... How the heck are you ever going to do it when your face is buried on your phone, pounding out texts and emails and reading Twitter feeds and Facebook? And you know what? You get that device up your face. The first thing you do in the morning, you got it. And the second thing you do is you put it away and set the alarm and put it on your bedside table. Well, where was the quiet time to, quote, hear yourself think? And the honesty part includes, I have to admit. There's stuff about me that's broken that is triggered, and I just need to understand it more. When we were doing these episodes, I think the big theme sort of takeaway is if you are in conflict with the people in your office or if, or if you are not open and honest and have a, you know, a fully transparent relationship, you have to know what's going on inside of you because you could be getting into tiffs and spats and fights and butting heads with people for all the wrong reasons, whether it's you're not being honest with what's going on with you, right? Like you're bringing something personal and unrelated to the office every day, to your team every day, or you're not being honest with that person and saying, I don't really care about the way you formatted the TPS report. I'm still mad about the thing that happened two weeks ago that we haven't resolved, right? So honesty is so, it's not just about using the truth and speaking the truth, it is about really knowing the underlying issues and bringing them to the forefront and, and getting past them. And this obviously incorporates a whole lot of other themes that we're going to, we have talked about, we're going to talk about, but, and I love the thing about silence. I remember a few months ago, I, I was having a moment running around the house, working. I listen to audio all day. When I'm not working, I'm cooking and cleaning and doing laundry. And so I'm listening to podcasts on my phone and one day before I, you know, I'm going to go jump in the shower, I took 10 minutes. I literally just put the phone on. I just sat there in silence for 10 minutes. And it just was an amazing sense of relief. 
we think that being alone is the same as sitting in silence, and it's not. You really have to remove all the distractions to get back in touch with yourself. Bingo. You know, the East versus West culture is kind of the doing versus being, right? And here in the West, we are all about the do. Imagine how long Nike used that phrase, just do it. Yeah, so do, 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 action, 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 action. And the actual idea of just being, which is where the term mindfulness comes up, you know, we just don't, we don't allow time for it. We could all use that time. And, And look, if you can meditate, great. Go learn how to meditate. Everybody I know who ever talks about meditation only speaks about it being amazing. Very, You never hear anybody be like, I meditate, but it really it hurts my style. It just doesn't happen. It is difficult to do correctly, but people who figure it out, none of them talk about it being a bad thing. But find that quiet time. Find that moment to just be with yourself. It's so important. And and honestly, I think this leads perfectly into our, our next theme. So again, that was Honesty 456. Episode 4, Part 1, was really about that deep self-reflection. We didn't touch upon it, but 2 was about being honest with other people, and 3 is knowing when others are being honest with you. All of those are important to, to being a good leader. But you know, this discussion about self-reflection and thinking about your life and all these different things is really, it leads perfectly into number 3 on the list of top themes for 2019, which is how will you measure your life episode 11 and i think you summed it up perfectly with what we do think about versus what we should think about how many executives have missed family birthday parties baseball games sporting events recitals i'm just telling you there are corporate jobs that the company and the stockholders and the market they are ahead of your family. Your job is first. If you want that job, you're going to make that trade-off. But even if you have that job, are you paying attention to your relationships? How important are they? What important work item should make a family relationship suffer? I can't find one yet. You know, it was great. I referenced when we were talking about vulnerability, this gig I was on a week or two ago. One thing that I admired about these brothers was that they were absolutely committed to work-life balance. And we actually did a, a review of the values that they have for the organization. And they had not been, you know, super specific. And the way we do that exercise is I ask them to name three people who are absolutely emblematic of the values of the company, and the names came very quickly. And then we just do a brainstorm of all the the character traits and the values and things like hardworking, dedicated, committed, solving a problem, et cetera. And when we, when we got a lot of those out there, at least two of the three, the group one of the comments they made was they care about their family. And so the company itself has this work hard, play hard deal, but everybody is tuned into this idea that family matters. When, you know, there's a snow day, right? And somebody's got kids at home. And if both parents are working, you know, they both have jobs. All of a sudden the kids are home. Who's staying home? And these guys have made it 
absolutely crystal clear. We get that. We understand that. They've set up the proper daycare facilities, bring the kids to work. We'll entertain them. We'll feed them. We'll take care of them. And it's just because they love family and they refuse to let people who work like, I mean, it's one of the hardest working groups of people I met in a long time fiercely committed to getting stuff done and to grow in the business, but not at the expense of family, period. I think it's impossible to do both. And it should be. Because once your family life is suffering, guess what happens at work? Your productivity suffers there too. You can always tell when someone's having a rough time at home because they, they bring it to the office. They think it's the escape, but it just they wear it on their sleeves. You can't avoid it. And it's not even just in the moment. It's just, you know, I think in that episode we talked about how are you looking back? How are you going to be remembered? You know, what is the legacy that you want to leave? Are you the guy, you know, do you want to be remembered as the person who finished the job first or never missed a deadline? Yeah, those are great accolades to have, but you're never going to be loved for those things. You'll be, you'll be respected, but you'll never be loved for them. And so, you know, your relationships are important. Family is important. Friends are important. Yeah, I do an exercise once in a while at retreats where I have people deliver their eulogy, but they actually have to deliver it from three different perspectives. One is a spouse, one is a uh, sibling or a child, and uh, another one is by one of your best friends. None of those are about work. And when they deliver it, you know, like, what would you want them to say as the eulogy? And it becomes a very powerful way of being in touch with man, oh, man. And, you know, there's a very old phrase that nobody laid on their deathbed saying, I wish I had work more. I mean, pretty basic. That was a good episode. I love that guy. I mean, that was a speech that Clayton Christensen delivered. I think he delivered to a graduating class. I think he's a Harvard Business School professor. And he, man, he, he gave those, those young people some really good advice for the rest of their lives. And speaking of Clayton, we will link to the article that this episode was based off of called How Will You Measure Your Life? So it'll be right there in the show notes here for this New Year's Day episode. Again, that was How Will You Measure Your Life? Episode 11, number three on our top five themes of sheer clarity in 2019. Moving on to number two. I was surprised that this one did as well as it did. I remember this topic being of the utmost interest to me, but it seems like it really resonated with the crowd. Uh, number two, episode 10, Battling Imposter Syndrome. Let's define it real quick here. It's a psychological pattern or condition in which the individual has a doubt about the nature of their accomplishments, their worth of being where they are, some kind of internalized fear about being exposed as a fraud. It's just, how did I get here? I'm making assumptions about what people who are here know and do, and somehow I fall short. And the next thing I know, I have to go into a room and act like I know what I'm talking about. You know what? If I recall correctly, I got more emails even a couple of texts from people who listened to it than almost any other episode because it resonated. You know, most of my work is with CEOs. And I know in the family category at times, it's really rampant because 
you got your job sweeping floor when you were a kid and you know you had the right last name the name might actually be in the business's name or on the building and now you're this and now you're that and then one day there you are you're in your 40s or 50s and you're the CEO and you've never really been outside that system and I've also met a number of people in my YPO world you know who maybe had a father who died when they were 25 and their mother said okay it's on you so without any kind of sort of context of having been out in the world and everything is self-generated, it really does set you up for this potential to feel like, I just, do I belong here in this position? And it just resonated with a lot of people. It doesn't mean that the people who run public companies who are professional executives don't have it as well. Because the bigger this job gets and the more people are, pretty soon you're alone at the top and you do face these doubts. I actually would prefer that somebody have those doubts once in a while, right? It's part of humility, right? I don't know everything. I can't know everything. But the difference between somebody who's lets the fear get them and then they pretend and a person who is aggravated or anxiety written about it is a person who goes back to episode number five, vulnerability. Like you can battle imposter syndrome by being okay with sharing what you may not know. Because you have a group of people, you're not doing everything alone. And so the more you say to folks, I'm not quite sure about this and I'm okay with that, but I do know this, we're going to figure it out. But the people who don't have awareness of what it is and who are projecting a whole bunch of behaviors that they think are they're supposed to be projecting and they're not in touch with it. The fact that the imposter is acting as such, they don't see it, but the other people do. That's the worst case of it. Because then you're not too far away from being labeled a phony. That is not helpful for your leadership. Or your ego or your <laughs> or your confidence and your trust and everything else. Well, the people who don't know it, don't know it. And when they don't know it, they, they're immune to any kind of self-reflection or, or feedback. They just proceed on the basis of what they think they're supposed to be doing. And some of it actually doesn't uh, look really good. And people around them know it, and they know they're kind of faking it, and they know they're acting, right? And as soon as that happens, you lose respect for that person. And now you basically have to sort of kowtow and be a subordinate. And as somebody you don't really respect, you don't think they know what the hell they're doing. And imagine that. Imagine a person who's in a leadership position. People think that. People talk about it behind your back and you don't even know. The problem really is you don't really care <laughs> if you know. And I'll say on a personal note, I remember talking about imposter syndrome and on that episode, I admitted my own struggles with it and I'd been dealing with it. It was a great coincidence that we talked about it when we did because I've been working through it in, in different areas. And I have to say personally, I have had a an easier time overcoming my imposter syndrome. I'm not saying it's gone entirely, but I am starting to realize what it is that I do know and what I don't know. And I know that I'm smart enough to know what I know and smart enough to know what I don't know. And what I don't know, I can recruit and lean on the people who are smart enough to help me. And so I'm able to feel confident that I can get the job done because it's not just what I can do, but what I can 
orchestrate. I think there's a there's a great scene in the Steve Jobs movie, the one with Michael Fassbender. He's playing Steve Jobs, the Apple founder, and he's talking about the conductor of the orchestra. And he says, this guy, he can't play violin. He can't play piano. He conducts the orchestra. And so for a long time, I was worried that I couldn't play the violin. I couldn't play the piano. I couldn't play the drums. But I'm learning that I think I can conduct the orchestra. And so I'm, I'm, my imposter syndrome is starting to subside, which is nice. So I owe a big thanks to you for, for that one. While we're being open about it, I have the same thing. I've sat on a board of directors for the last six years and we operate like a public company. I've been in uh, public board governance training. So I sort of know all the stuff that goes around that tone at the top and my fiduciary responsibility, all that stuff. But the truth is many of those people on that board of directors are sort of Wall Street kind of folks or finance kind of folks. The audit committee has to be chaired by someone who is a wizard at finance, who can pick apart a set of income statements and profitability and balance sheets. And that's not my scene. And a lot of times the conversations will just go way off and I'm back. I'm like Googling uh, like Investopedia to make sure I get my terminology straight. I had to brush up on my basic accounting skills and finance skills. But the truth is, I'm not a finance guy and I can't act like one. And the moment I sort of like let that out and I had people say, well, that's okay. Don't worry about it because we have all that on the board. That's not why you're here. We're paying a lot of good people good money to do that stuff. <laughs> yeah, like we're a board that appreciates this human dynamic stuff and what you bring to the party, no one else here brings. You can read the mind of the CEO. You know when there's tension in the room. You know when there's something happening. You will call it out. You do it in a, in a beautiful way. But we always end up being honest. We always end up being truthful. You can read signals. You've been behind the scenes coaching the CEO or coaching the CFO who's not working with the CEO. Or I mean, that, that's a board function. That's huge. But I was holding on to that for quite a while, the fact that I felt way out of my league with my understanding of finance. And once I let it go, everything was great. Well, that brings us to number one. So again, that was Battling Imposter Syndrome, episode 10. Just to quickly recap, five through four. Number five, top themes of sheer clarity in 2019, appropriate vulnerability. Number four, honesty. Three, how will you measure your life? Number two, battling imposter syndrome. And you know what? For number one, I'm not even going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to go right to the clip. When I talk about trust, what does that mean? Generally speaking, I'd like to define it this way. It's a feeling that I have about you, about some other person. This is a two-member relationship. I have you, I have me. And when I engage with you, if I say I trust you, what does that mean? Basically, it means that I feel safe with you sharing just about anything I want to share. I have a complete confidence that you will not exploit me. The opposite of trust is betrayal. You will not betray me. I also believe that you care about me and you probably have my best interest in mind. That is by far and away the most important thing. I am not surprised it's number one. It is human compelling to feel safe with other people. And it's the heartbeat of any team anywhere. Any team anywhere. 
when I'm talking about trust and the use of the word team, I always say you can be a work group or you can be a team. And the difference is the team actually has a palpable sense of caring about each other and a high presence of trust, both in the competencies of your colleagues on the team and their character. And I, uh, I set the bar pretty high. I always tell people, I'm going to start with my definition. Take any special forces kinds of teams, whether it's Delta or Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, Green Berets, it, those are teams where it is crystal clear. Everyone is trained together. Everyone has each other's back to the point where somebody will die for one of their colleagues. That's my bar. And that's how they roll. And there's nothing else like it in the world of teams. So let's aim for that. <laughs> so go do it. Just do it, right? <laughs> well, we just said a few minutes ago. <laughs> well, and, and you can't force it. It has to be built. It has to have a strong foundation. It has to be reinforced. And trust episodes two and three, essentially kicking off the series. This was the most important theme of sheer clarity. And so, you know, what was trust and how do you command trust? Everything else that I feel like you've talked about in the show is born out of this idea of trust. If there is no trust amongst the team, if there is no trust between supervisor and subordinate and the other way around, most of these other things, they're just not going to, they're just not going to fly. I have two active client scenarios right now. And one has two people on a team who do not trust each other. We've actually done everything possible. And under no circumstances is it ever going to be possible that they are going to trust each other. What do you think the CEO has to do? Issues clearing? Did it. Didn't work. Now what? Oh, appropriate vulnerability? Nope. Somebody's got to go. Oh. Maybe both. I was trying to work my way through all 30 episodes before I got to that one. <laughs> no, I'm just laying it out there. I hope people who are listening understand this. I don't mean to, well, that's crap. It is cold sounding. It is cold sounding. But if you have a team with two people whose fundamental emotional intelligence level and character level is so off in this category that they literally refuse to trust each other ever. And that every single possible mechanism to help them get it together. I actually sent them back, you know, to listen to episodes on issues clearing. I've been in the room where we tried issues clearing. And I actually believe that they both have betrayal wounds in their backgrounds. And are deeply embedded. Both of them have some childhood experience with burying emotion. Like imagine... A small child who's crying and you get punished for being a child, for crying, for being hurt or being upset. And every time, 100% of the time, you receive rebuke and the withholding of love from one or both parents for anything that remotely resembles some kind of weakness or neediness. And we hate it. And you will not be that way. All right, turn around. You're 35 or 40. That's what you got. And now these people are, are sort of broken in a certain way. 
they are literally will not ever pull it together and somebody's got to go. It's, it's a rough thing, but at the end of the day, that's, you know, I mean, this is the uglier side of trust. This question that we have, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer here, but it just came up. And so I guess what's a great way to underscore trust is essential, absolutely essential, fundamental. And if you have two people on your team, now I'm not talking just a team team. I'm talking your executive leadership team who fundamentally have decided and refused, I will never trust that other person. That's a CEO problem right there. And after you've exhausted every possible angle, and you can never force anyone into this trust category, right? It's a, that doesn't happen. Now you've got a bigger problem. And the last solution on your list of things after you've tried everything else is somebody's got to go. Pick the one with the least amount of pain associated with goodbye. Well, and so maybe as part of it being New Year's, we have to make a resolution. And so maybe we should ask the audience to resolve to explore whether you trust yourself and whether you trust the people around you. And, and if not, maybe it's time to be honest about that. Clear the deck and start to work your way through these so that 2020, the new year, the new decade could be a better working experience and relationship for everybody involved. I've asked these folks to actually have a meeting, get into a room and just talk about their lives and see if you can both share a little bit about what contributes to this kind of part of you that is so fundamentally protective. You know, when people are protecting themselves, a lot of times they'll use control and they become dominant and that dominance can take on a very negative effect. And it basically says, screw you. That's an army of your protecting psychology selves who are banded together and go, I will not let you hurt me. I will not let you screw me. I do not trust you. You're not getting in. I put you in this box and put you in this category. And now if we both feel that, I'd like to say, well, that's good. It's really going to create a problem for the CEO and one of you is going to have to go. So maybe it would be worth it for you to actually ask the question, why is that so powerfully embedded in you? Where did that come from? And that is a mutual self-reflection exercise coupled with vulnerability, coupled with self-honesty, hopefully leading to some trust, a breakthrough. And sometimes a breakthrough actually happens only after a breakdown or a breakup. I can see that. I can absolutely see that. It's the only path. Well, if this is the first time that you are joining us and checking out Sheer Clarity, I want you to remind you that that was Trust Episodes 2 and 3. We'll have links to the episodes right here in the show notes for this episode. Also in there, there's a trust chart that we reference a lot and talk about that sort of highlights how trust works and the different characteristics. There's also a really, really great article that you put together, How Becoming a Better Leader by Building Trust, that uh, we had out there that's fantastic. It's a really, really good read. We'll include a note to that. And that is your top five themes of sheer clarity in 2019. I think those are some really, really powerful stuff. And even if all you did was listen to those episodes, I think you've already could take massive leaps in becoming more successful, um, becoming a better leader and just becoming better in life. I mean, again, most of this is not just about the workplace. It's about becoming a better you 
a holistic you everywhere at the workplace, at home and your relationships with your friends, with your family. We're not just here to teach you how to, how to be better from nine to five. And you know what? Why don't you take this list of five episodes and turn it into a new year's resolution list? I will be more vulnerable. I will be more open. I will be more honest with myself. I will actually look at my work-life balance and do a better job with it. I will battle any imposter syndrome symptoms. I will not try to fake it. I will at least be honest. And I will work on trust. And if I got a trust problem, I will go and make every effort to address it. And that's my New Year's resolutions. I think that's a fantastic idea. So we'll put together a little New Year's resolution checklist for you to to go through and, and set yourself off on a strong footing in 2020. Also, just a quick honorable mention, one of the the series didn't quite make the top five, but we also think there's a great way, and we would appreciate it too, if you check out our article on our series on feedback. And we would love your feedback on what we've been doing, what you'd like to hear, what we could be doing more of. As we said in the beginning, we'll be doing some interviews coming in 2020 that we think will really give you some extra and incredible insight that we are ecstatic to share with you. And just in general, again, we said it a few times during the holiday season here, but can't say it enough. Thank you so much to everybody who is taking part in this adventure with us of sheer clarity. Of course, thank you first and foremost to the man himself, J. Kevin McHugh. You are welcome. Who is the sheerest of sheer clarity. Thank you to all of our friends and family who have been supporting us and helping out. Specifically, our significant others, Mary and Brooke, who have been huge aspects, huge parts of this. All the different folks on the team who are helping to put this together, the production and the marketing and everything else that goes into putting out this great product. And, of course, to all of you listening, your love, your support, your encouragement, the reviews, the emails, the comments, the text, all of that feedback has been phenomenal. And we know we can't do it without you. And... We know that we wouldn't be able to do this if you weren't there. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you haven't yet, tell a friend about it. Help everybody around you become consummate leaders by attraction. Help them attain sheer clarity. We can all have a better work-life balance and better overall feeling if we all have these high-quality values within ourselves. So I think for officially the end of 2019... He's J. Kevin McHugh. I'm Matthew Passy, and we will see you in 2020 here on Sheer Clarity.